Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. We're going to, the title of the message is Sin, Swine, or the Savior. Sin, Swine, or the Savior. Matthew chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been oftentimes bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, have, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High? I adjure thee by the living God, that thou torment me not." For he had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much, that he would not send him out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legions sitting and clothed in his right, and in his right mind, and they were afraid." And they that saw it told, told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he, he that had been possessed with the devil uh, prayed him that he, would, that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to share your word. We ask that you might speak to us through this wonderful passage of how you completely transformed and changed a man. We know that you're able to do that, and you have been doing it for many years. And we thank you, Lord, that you're still doing that. And I ask today that you might speak to us, we who know Christ as our Savior, and remind us how great you are and how confident we can be when we share the gospel to those who need Jesus, because you can surely change their life. And if there's somebody here, Lord, who's not saved, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The story of the demon-possessed man of Gadara is a fascinating story of the problem of sin, the perishing of swine, and the power of the Savior. It shows us how a damaged person can become a changed person when he's controlled by the Lord. It shows us how the devil, when he takes a person and affects their life, he damages them. He desensitizes them to the importance of people and makes them think that things are more important than people are. 
and, but it also shows us how decisive God can be to change a situation that seems absolutely hopeless. I often refer to the demon-possessed man of Gadara as the worst-case scenario because it's really hard to find a worst-case scenario in the Bible. Somebody that's been more affected by, by sin and by Satan than this man had because he was truly a, a deranged person who had been affected by the devil in an awful way. And so today, I want us to see how that God worked with this man's life and how the Lord can handle any situation that we face. And if you've come today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you might think that you've sinned too much to be saved, but that's never true. You've never sinned too much to be saved. You might think you've waited too long to be saved, but no, today you can be saved, even though you've waited for many years. You might think that you're too mean, too hard, uh, too, too bad a case for the Lord to save. You might think that you're so undesirable that even God would not want you, but that's not true. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins on the cross of Calvary, and I can say this with all confidence, regardless how bad you might think you are, God wants you. He wants you. He can save you. He can change you. He can make you his own. You can become his child. You can be adopted into his family. You can be, belong to God, and uh, the Lord, Lord can change your life completely. So as we look at this passage this morning, I want to break it up into, into different uh, parts, and we're going to deal with it like this. We're first of all going to look at the problem of the sinner, and then the person of the Savior, the plight of the swine, the perfecting of the saved, and then the peril of the spectators. And we'll see that, that this morning. First of all, the problem of the sinner. We see this man, he was demon-possessed, and he had a great problem, of course, and it caused him uh, his life to be changed completely for what, for what he was. So he was affected by sin. He was a typical man at first because the Bible describes him in Luke chapter 28, verse 27. Out of the city, a certain man came. A certain man. He no doubt had brothers and sisters. Maybe, maybe not. But we know he did have a mom and dad just like all of us did. He had a beginning like most children do. They grew up, grew up as a child, but sometime in his childhood, sometime maybe in his teenage years, he began to listen to the promise of sin. He began to fall for the lies of the devil, and little by little it affected him, and he became a ruined man because of his listening to sin. So sin had affected him. It had brought him down. He'd, been, he'd, been, he'd given over to the sinful desires and to the desires of the devil, and, the, and it changed him, and he lost so much when that happened. You see, he'd, he'd been robbed of certain things that many of us count dear. He'd been robbed of family. It doesn't seem like any family members were around him. He'd been lo- robbed of home. He was a homeless man. Matthew, Luke chapter 8, verse 27 says, Neither abode in any house. He'd been robbed of his friends. That The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, concerning him, he was exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. They didn't even want to be around him. He, he was robbed of his sanity. The Bible says that he would cut himself. He lived in the tombs and he would cut himself. He'd been robbed of his dignity because he went around naked. And listen, when you, when you get to the place where you think uh, you're free enough to take off your clothes like some people do today, 
and nudist colonies do that, you know, they take off their clothes. They think that's freedom. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. That's slavery. You actually lose your freedom when you do something like that. And you also lose your dignity. You see, God wants us to be a dignified person. Part of that is to have your clothes on. And some people say, well, we want to go back to the beginning. Adam and Eve didn't have any clothes on to begin with. No, they didn't, but that was before they sinned. And even in heaven, you don't find anybody that's not clothed. They're all clothed in heaven. And so clothing is very important. So this man lost his dignity. He, he lost his freedom. He was bound by de- demons, and he was also bound by chains, and then he would break the chains, but they would keep trying, trying to, change, to, to chain him. He, was also, he also lost his happiness. The Bible says he went around all the time crying. A desperate man, a defeated man. So he's affected by sin. He was also afflicted by the devil. The devil's not satisfied with one night of sin. The devil's not satisfied if he gets you to participate in one night of sin or one act of sin. The devil's not satisfied with that because he always wants it to go on and on and on. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 8 concerning this man, which the devils had, which, which he had devils a long time. So a long time he had been in this condition. The devil took him away his peace so that he was restless The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, we read it a while ago, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying. Took away his peace. Always, night and day, he roamed around and he cried. The devils also made him dangerous. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, neither could any man tame him, and Matthew says he was exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by. You see, I believe the devil's behind the terrorism of today. I believe the devil is behind the, when we listen to, hear it seemingly, it's every week or almost every day, you hear of some shooting, some person murdering somebody, some people doing, doing terrible things, and people are afraid. What makes those people dangerous? It's the devil. The devil wants to control their life, and he makes them dangerous. And this man was dangerous, and that was, that was because of the devil. The devil also kept him from Jesus. Now, I know the text says he ran to Jesus, and he did, but it wasn't really the man who was running to Jesus. He was controlled by the demons. He didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God, but the demons did. And you see, when Jesus comes close by, The demons are subject to him, and they know that, and they know who he is. They even know that they one time were in heaven, and he cast them out. So they know that. And the Bible says in in chapter 5 of Mark, And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried with a loud voice. Now you notice this isn't really the man's voice. It's the demon using the man's voice. And so it's really coming from the demon because notice as I read it, and he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And then it explains, For or because he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So the unclean spirit was crying this. And because Jesus was in the vicinity, he had to run there. And because he knew he was subject to him. And he said, don't torment me. But the man himself 
the devil would like to keep him away from Jesus. And that's the way it is with anybody who follows the devil. The devil wants to keep you away from Jesus. And then he was also not only affected by sin and afflicted by the devil, he was avoided by man. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, concerning this man, he was exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. You know, the devil will, sell, will, will feed you a lie. He'll say, if you will do this thing that mom and dad tell you not to do, the church tells you not to do, the preacher tells you not to do, but if you'll do this then, thing, you will have friends. Look at all the friends you will join by, you'll have by doing these things. But that's a lie because eventually those friends will leave you. And many times people have become so affected by sin that even their so-called friends don't want to be around them. The devil will take you lower than you ever thought you would go. He will do that. I've had several occasions in my life where some, uh, somebody who's, who's uh, been affected by the devil would say to me, Preacher, I never dreamed I would get in this position. I never dreamed I would get this low. But it happens. And so he was avoided by man, a desperate man, a terrible situation that a man, that for a man to be in was this person. But then we look, look at the person of the Savior. He is the Son of God. The Bible says in chapter 5, verse 7, that Jesus, thou Son of the Most High, the demon had it right, Jesus was the Son of God. And being the Son of God, he can help you. And so we know that Jesus is the Son of God. He's God. He's uh, all-powerful. He's, all he's able to do anything. And uh, he's able to help you. So the person of the Savior is seen here as a person who can help this man who's in this desperate condition. He has power over the devil. The Bible says that Jesus says, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he had to obey him. These unclean spirits had to obey the man, uh, had to obey God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Had to obey him because he's the authority over them. And they had to obey. In fact, when they got ready to leave, they asked God for permission. They asked Jesus for permission to go into the swine. And they had to get permission from the Lord to do that. And so he's the all-powerful one. And so if you are overcome by the devil, if you're influenced by the demons, I'd like to introduce you to a person who can take care of all that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's greater in power than anybody else. And he can handle even demons. And he can handle your problem and your sin. And you, one thing we note about him, that not only was he God, and he had power over the devils, but he also had compassion. You see, Jesus considered this man very valuable. He was concerned about this wretch of a man, and he was concerned uh, about his condition. He wanted to change him, and he's concerned about you and me as well. We're saved, those of us who are saved are saved because God was concerned about us. God wanted to rescue you. God wanted to save you. And if you've come into the congregation this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I can guarantee you that God is concerned about you. The Bible would say in this passage that God's more concerned about this one man than he was about 2,000 pigs. You know, the Lord in other places told us and uh, he said that you are of more value than many sparrows, Matthew 10, verse 31. 
In Matthew 12, verse 12, he says, you are, you are much, how much then is a man better than a sheep? And we need to understand that human beings are much more valuable than animals. And God considered this man, the wretch that he was, as more valuable than 2,000 2,000 swine or pigs. Well, how valuable is that? Well, I looked it up, and I thought, what's the value of a pig today? A 100-pound pig. And when you get a little lower than 100 pounds, they're actually worth more per, per pound. But what I got was that around $3.50 a pound was the value of a 100-pound pig. Well, if you take that and say there are 2,000 pigs, and if they, if, they av- if they weigh an average of 100 pounds, which they'd probably weigh more than that, that would be 200,000 pounds of pig. <laughs> At $3.50 a pound, that's $700,000. And Jesus said, this man who's been ruined and wrecked by the devil is much more valuable than $700,000. Do we think that way? Do we think that way? Do we consider people more valuable than things? Many times we prove otherwise in our life. But Jesus had compassion upon this man. But then let's look at the plight of the swine. The plight of the swine is that they were destroyed. But what happened? Well, the demons entered into the 2,000 pigs because God gave them permission to do that. Something about demons that we can't completely understand, but they like to indwell people. And if they can't be in people, they don't want to be just roaming around, according to this passage. And they said, well, if we can't be in people, then let us be in those swine. Now, you don't know, but maybe in your life you've had a pig chase you. It just might be that that pig's demon-possessed. Now, I don't know that's true, but it could be. These surely was. These surely were. As I said before, you know, these pigs ran down the hill and committed suicide. You'll get that in a minute. These were also the first deviled hams. And, uh, but the Lord cast these... They cast these uh, demons, were legion of them, into 2,000 swine, and they ran down this steep place into the water, into the sea, and were choked, and they killed, and were killed. What happened? Well, when the demons entered them, they were confused and went crazy. And they ran down this steep place into the, into the water. Now, can pigs swim? I looked that up. Yes, pigs can swim. But these demons made it so that they couldn't swim. They were so confused and they actually choked in the water because of the influence of these demons. Demons do the same thing to people. They destroy them. And before you follow sin, and young people, before you look at the glitter of sin that Satan puts before you, and before you follow that and say, oh, I'm going to try that, you just remember the end is an awful thing. And the devil is not concerned about you. It doesn't bother him at all. For you to get so desperate that you take your life, he laughs in the background. But God loves you. God is concerned about you. But the devil 
is not. So the plight of the swine, well, they were choked in the sea. Matthew chapter 8, verse 32 says they perished in the water. And so the, the pigs were the, had the bad uh, thing happen to them because the Lord cast these demons out of the man and into them, and they died. But then let's look at the perfecting of the saves. So here the, the man who is a desperate condition and a man who's been so affected by sin and the devil, what's happening to him anyway? Well, the Bible says the power of the, devil, uh, of, of the devil and of sin was broken because the Lord cast out the demons. And immediately this man was changed. They, the Bible says that he was changed so much that he was seated at the, seated at the feet of Jesus and he was clothed. And when you're close to Jesus, you have clothes on. You're clothed and in, your, in his right mind. So he's a completely changed, changed man. There's an interesting thing said in Luke chapter 8, verse 35. Then they came to Jesus and found the man. They came to Jesus and found the man. That's an interesting question. If a friend comes to Jesus, will he find you? They came to Jesus and they found the man. That's an interesting thing. When, our, when people look for us, they should find us serving the Lord. That's the way this man was. They came to Jesus and they found the man. The peace of God was experienced by him as he had never experienced before. He was seat, seated at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, no more crying, no more cutting himself, no more uh, having, needing chains put on him to control him. He was a controlled man. He no longer wanted to live in the, in the tombs. He no longer wanted to live among the dead. He was a changed man, and he had peace with God. And then there was purity in his life because he put on his clothes, clothed and in his right, right mind. And then he had the pleasure of service. He wanted to serve the Lord Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 18 of Mark chapter 5. And when he was coming to the ship, he, had, he, had, he that was possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Here's what you do. You that have been completely changed, you're in your right mind now, and uh, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, what, what should you do? He said, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to go with you. Jesus said, well, you can follow me, but you don't need to go with me where I'm going. And what I want you to do is go tell everybody what I did for you. Sometimes a person gets saved and says, how can I serve the Lord now? Well, the answer is this. Just go tell people what Jesus did for you. Just to go tell them about Jesus and what he did for, did for you. And uh, if we do that, then we have the pleasure of serving the Lord. He obeyed the Lord, and he went and told the multitudes how, what Jesus had done for him. The question is, are we doing the same? And then finally in this passage, we, we see the peril of the spectators. The peril of the spectators. Who were the spectators? That was, that, those were those who, who looked on and just observed what Jesus was doing. Now, what was their peril? Well, 
they rejected the Savior. Even though Jesus changed this man's life, they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They rejected the Savior. They began to pray him to depart out of their coast. We don't want you around. We don't want your standards. We don't want your conduct. We don't want the way you want people to live. We don't want that. We want you out of here. We don't want you changing us. And so they wanted Jesus to live. Luke chapter 8, he says, Besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And then they returned to their sin. They were, not, they were more interested in pigs than in Jesus. What was their problem now? Their problem was, we just lost all this money. We just lost all these pigs. We don't care about that man. We don't really care about him. But we care about the pigs, and we just lost all of our money. So you get out of here. Don't do this to anybody else. And so they're more interested in their stuff than they are about people. And we have to be careful as Christians that we don't do the same thing, that we're more interested in our pleasures, our possessions, our plans, our professions than in Jesus. And Jesus wants us to be concerned about people just like he was. You see, in this story, you have some choices. Story has choice from sin, between sin, swine, and the Savior. Or you could say sin, stuff, or the Savior. A lot of people today choose sin and stuff above the Savior. Oh, I don't want to be saved now because I've got a lot to do. I've got a lot of things I want to accomplish in my life. I don't want to uh, be saved and be a Christian and and go to church on Sunday. I have other things I'd like to do on Sunday, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to serve the Lord because I've got other things to do. And so just like these people, you choose sin and stuff over the Savior. But you who have trusted the Lord as your Savior know that sin and stuff are nothing compared to the Savior. (laughs) I mean, he's precious to us. And he's the one who's going to take us to heaven. He's the one who's going to use us down on the earth. And we're representatives of his. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And we love him because he cared so much for us. How much did Jesus care for this man? He cared for him much more than he cared for uh, than, than the swine. He cared for this man so much that he left multitudes who were following him that he was teaching Look back with me to chapter 4. Verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea in the land. So Jesus had a multitude of people following him. And then the Bible says that He changed this. Look at verse 35 of of chapter 4. And the same day when that evening was come, he said to them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, he left a multitude. He had popularity. They all thronged about him. He left the multitude to go through the sea in the midst of a storm. You remember that's when uh, he went to sleep in in the ship. And they woke him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he says, Oh, you have little faith. 
But after he went through that storm, he landed on the other side of the, of the sea for one purpose. And that was to meet that man who was possessed by demons and to change his life. And then you'll find as you read on that after that happened, Jesus got back in the ship and went back over the cross. He left the multitudes for that one man. Aren't you glad that Jesus, though he's concerned about the multitudes, he singled you out and he singled me out and he saved us one day. And we're children of God because of that, because Jesus cares about people. And I'll guarantee you, young people especially, know this, God loves you. Jesus cares about you. He wants, to, wants you to have the best in your life. He wants you to have a happy life. He wants you to have a good life. He wants you to have a prosperous life. He wants you to have a life that's serving him. He wants you to be in heaven with him. He wants you to enjoy eternity with him forever and ever. And opposite to that is the devil. He's flashing little things in front of you. Oh, this will be fun. This will be good. And he's flashing those things in front of you. But I'll guarantee you, he does not want any good, anything good for you. He wants to bring you down. He wants to entice you with sin, destroy your life. And if he can, he'll get you to the position that this man was in. He wants to destroy your life, and then he wants to take you to, to eternity in hell and the lake of fire where he's going to be forever and ever. And so why in the world would you follow somebody like that? Follow Jesus. He cares for you. And I'm glad that he does. I hope we will care for people like Jesus cares for them, that we will care more about people than we do about sin and about stuff. May God help us to be those kind of Christians. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for showing us these principles from your word. I thank you, Lord, that you allowed a man to go through some bad things so that you could change and transform his life and have a good example to us. I thank you, Lord, that you give us this example of the worst case so that in any case, is not too hard for you. And we should know that, Lord, that nobody here, nobody we've ever met, nobody ever will, will ever meet is too hard for you to save. And I pray that you, we might believe that and we'd be faithful witnesses for Jesus Christ. We pray for our young people, Lord. I thank you for those who went to camp last week. We thank you for those who are going this week. And I pray that you might help them to see through the lie of the devil and they might never follow him, but they'll always want to follow Jesus because he has true compassion for them. He loves them, and we thank you, Lord, that you do. If there's somebody here that's not saved, may the day be the day they trust Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.